the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, my dear friends, to all our dear audience on KNUS 710 AM or via podcast. I welcome all of you. This morning, we shall interact first by waking up, praising God. If you're sad, allow God to put a joy, a smile on your face. If you're married, give a good and warm greeting to your wife or to your husband. Give a good warm morning hug or welcome to your children and to all those who live with you. And do me a favor. It's okay to turn on your radio at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning and contact friend so they can join in as well. Next, of course, let us warm up the day by being nice to each other and by being nice to the Lord. This is Father Andre and good Holy Sunday morning with God. Good Holy Sunday morning, my dear friends. Uh, thank you for joining us again on this beautiful and wonderful Holy Sunday. Today, together, we will pray Psalm 63. A story of a soul. You know, every human being has a soul, right? We have soul. We have the spirit in us. We have our mind, our intellect, our body. We have our emotions. We have our senses. Um, We have aspects and we have dimensions of our existence. But the deepest and highest dimension of our existence is definitely in our soul. This is the actual entity that God breathed in us. And this is when human beings became a living being a living being, because the Lord breathes in us his own nefesh, his own spirit. So uh, with Psalm 63, we shall today start our prayer and start our conversation. O God, come to my assistance. O Lord, make haste to help me. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. My soul clings to you, Lord Jesus Christ. O God, you are my God, for you I long. For you my soul is thirsting. My body pines for you, like a dry, weary land without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. For your love is better than life. My lips will speak your praise. So I will bless you all my life. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul shall be filled as with a banquet. My mouth shall praise you with joy. On my bed, I remember you. On you, I muse through the night. For you have been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I rejoice. My soul clings to you. Your right hand holds me fast. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. My friends, it is uh, such a pleasure and honor today to continue um, our conversation with a wonderful expert uh, on discrimination and intolerance against Christians in Europe, uh, CEO of an entire entity, an observatory that watches for these type of hate crimes, if I may call them, or acts of persecution against Christianity. 
acts of discrimination, acts of intolerance. Uh, Ms. Madeleine Inzelberger, who is joining us uh, directly um, from uh, Europe, I want to tell you good morning to you, my dear Madeleine. Good morning, Father, and good morning to all the listeners. Today, we want to speak a little bit about hate crimes and why do they need to be monitored. So within the context, within the context that Christianity is on trial, within the context that Christianity is under attack, within the context that uh, religious freedom is under attack, within the context of what we spoke to you and me last Sunday, that um, some nations think it is their duty or, or, or some government to protect the people's freedoms from religion, while other nations tend to protect the people's freedom of religion. And uh, between, on the spectrum, uh, hate crimes are the most common area where persecution happens, a form of persecution. Are hate crimes a form of persecution? Yes, hate crimes are one of our main fields of observation. This is actually how we started because we saw that there is really an increase um, of hate crimes, specifically against um, churches and Christian buildings. So I would say 90% of the hate crimes that we report on are against uh, buildings, fortunately not against people. So yes, we do have threats against people or Christian organizations. And yes, there have been um, killings of Christians, but that only happens on very rare occasions, fortunately. But this is why we also work together with um, the international renowned organization, um, the OECE, which is the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, where the U.S. is also member of. So it has um, 57 member states. It's not just the EU countries. Russia is also a member of it. So they also monitor uh, hate crimes in the European region. And we provide them with data every year. Madeleine, if I were to ask you, define for me a regular, normal human being listening on Good Sunday morning in the United States and Colorado, define for me what is a hate crime and how does it relate to persecution of Christians? So a hate crime is something, it's actually quite simple, and we stick with a very simple definition um, of the OECE. So it's just uh, a normal um, crime under a national legislation, um, plus an obvious bias against a specific group of people. So that's the very um, narrow definition of it. It does not include hate speech or anything else. It's really it has to um, constitute. It has to be a crime under national legislation, plus an obvious bias against the group. That can be a religious group. That can be based on. Um, gender that can be based on ethnicity. So there's a whole variety of different characteristics which are protected. And so in, in, in a simple way, a hate crime has to have motivation instead of motive? Yes. Or it has, has to have both, a motivation and a motive? Well, it has to have both. And you have to, so when we um, report on a case, we always have to look for what was, what are the, the, the hints that this was specifically targeted against Christians. If I were to ask a small clarification, correct me if I'm mistaken, much, much of intolerance against Christianity in Europe happened at the base of considering that Christian acts are considered a hate crime. Is that right? So, no, no, that's, those are not considered hate crimes. 
um, that can be definitely said. They're not considered um, hate crimes. There are still processions. There has been a case, for example, of a woman in Germany. She led a silent prayer group in front of a um, abortion clinic, and um, police told her she can't stay there. And she went to court, and in the end, the court upheld her freedom of religion and freedom of assembly. So, um, no, it's it's. I mean, if it is considered as something, usually it's more that it is considered hate speech than a hate crime. So, praying in public or Ha- holding a procession has never been considered a hate crime against anyone. Thank you. So you just clarified it for me. They would consider these acts as a hate speech for a hate speech for not a hate crime. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but also in the case of this woman in front of the, the um, abortion clinic, you know, she didn't even say anything because it was silent prayer. So they said it's, you know, disturbing public order um, that was the reasoning behind that. But also, again, the, um, the courts protected the freedoms of those individuals praying. So. Now, you know, I, I do not want to, I honestly do not want to bring back bad stories that took place in Colorado, as a matter of fact. But let's say mm-hmm. somebody, because of religious, uh, um, religious consciousness, uh, decided not to do a party or uh, execute a product uh, for somebody who does not represent uh, the religious values of that particular person. Like somebody yeah. comes to a, a store and want to um, something, want to produce a little movie, want to do something. And if it happens that that store's owner is a Christian uh, and says, you know, this is against my personal beliefs. And mm. then they get sued. They get sued. And then it goes to the Supreme Court. And then there is an appeal. And then it becomes... Is it a hate crime or is it hate speech or is it uh, discrimination? No. So they're usually not considered a hate crime. And also I have to say, I'm not a legal expert, but (laughs) I try my best. So usually um, what we see there is that um, people are, um, are sued because of discrimination against um, a specific group, which is protected under, um, due to their specific characteristic. So as I mentioned it before, there's different characteristics that are protected under equality legislation. And what we have seen in the last um, years is that equality legislations have been changed um, and to extend the, the group of people who are protected and the characteristics. Um, and also what we saw is that often the problem is that it stands in contrast um, to also a fundamental freedom, which is contractual freedom. So, in, in the example, in the example of the uh, vaccine mandate, for instance, when people submitted or applied for religious exemption and they were mm. rejected from medical institutions, from uh, state mm. institutions, from the military, does this constitute a hate crime against Christians when those people rejected no. or fight or kicked out? You know, those people who did not want to take the vaccine because of their religious uh, belief, um, their, their, their religious exemption was rejected. They, they rejected in a very, very shrewd way, in a very uh, technically smart way, basically. They told them, we cannot accommodate your religious beliefs. Uh, therefore, we don't have accommodation for you. So basically, they fired them. They fired the people who applied for religious exemption, stating, I cannot take the vaccine, for instance. What do you call these crimes? Are these crimes to begin with? 
it's hard to say. So first of all, they're not hate crimes. I think that's important to say. And I think that's also important for us, for uh, protecting us as Christians as well, is that we don't expand and, and, and blow up the definition of hate crimes too much, right? And that we use it in a very prudent way when it is okay. really legitimate. I would say when it comes to vaccinations, also there is a big divide between Christians, right? So there are some Christians who said, oh, it's super important that you get the vaccine. And others say, oh, no, I don't want to do this um, for religious reasons. And then a court has to decide whether or not it really infringes the right to religious freedom. And if that is really the basis. And I think also that's an important reminder for Christians as well, that we use religious freedom and going to court on the basis of that in a very prudent way, because I don't know if you've heard of that, but in this whole abortion discussion and after the overturn of Roe um, versus Wade, Satanists actually went to court and said, well, for religious um, freedom reasons, abortion should always be allowed. Do you see where I'm getting at? I I know, but being being prudent, but it has to be on the foundation of the truth, not on the foundation of... uh, uh, evil reigning over good, you know. Of course, if it comes, yeah. If it comes to somebody, if it comes to me, and you say, "No, Satanists want to kill babies and offer them," uh, you know, this this is a Sunday morning. We do not want to speak about no. vicious, bad, horrible examples. But they they, they want to um, um, drink the blood of babies, for instance, or they want to emulate uh, versions. Do you let them? This is really a religious practice. When you kill people, crime is a crime. For instance, yeah. but where is the crime if a Christian stays? Because of my religious belief, I do not see that this vaccine is my only solution to fight against COVID. And why do they get rejected then? Why do they get rejected if not for a biased motivation? And this is how we define really a hate crime. You, you define the hate crime that it has to have a component of um, a criminal offense with a biased motivation. Isn't it that a biased motivation when an institution states, I reject your religious exemption because I cannot accommodate it, meaning you're, you're fired? Well, to actually think that it is specifically anti-Christian, that it would be really hard to prove, I would say. Because I know to that prove, there's yeah. been a lot of people who are not Christians and they rejected the vaccine. And so For the same reason, consciousness, right? Exactly. So it's more on not freedom of religion, but more freedom of conscience, I would say. And yes, freedom of religion and freedom of conscience are, so in Article 18 of the Human Rights Charter, those two go together. I think that's also important to note that, you know, all the different fundamental freedoms, they're connected to each other and um, somehow they necessitate one another. And Explain to us. So we have a freedom of conscience. We have a freedom of religion. What else do we have that they crisscross? So we have they... freedom. We have freedom of speech. We have parental rights. Um, we have contractual freedom. Um, that's something you know that you um, briefly talked about when um, we talked about Christian um, businesses um, wanting to selectively offer their services. Um, so. The idea is that you can't force someone to make a contract with another person because it's your freedom. So if someone comes up to you and says, you know, I want you to provide this service to me because, you know, every service and transaction is a contract in that sense. Um, And that's what we're calling leveling up. And that's a problem is because 
if someone comes there and says, I want you to do this and this for me, but it goes against your own beliefs or your conscience or whatever. And I think it's always a good idea to turn around examples. So if someone would come to a bakery that is owned by an atheist, or let's say someone who is gay, and you ask them to bake a cake that says, I don't support gay marriage, we have to oblige to produce it, to provide the service to you. I think most people would say, no, he doesn't have to be obliged. I, I wanna, um, uh, we, we still have about like six minutes or so on the show. Uh, now, give us clear examples. I try to, 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 to state like things related to vaccine, things related to a similar case of what you just mentioned. Somebody comes mm-hmm. and wants to do a contract with them that is convenient for them, but that goes against your own personal religious beliefs. And then if you reject or if you refuse, you tell them, I cannot accommodate you. They go ahead and they sue you. And sometimes yeah. they make you lose a lot of money. They make you lose your business. They, they smear your name. Um, it's horrible really what happens. But I think what we have to distinguish between is, on the one hand, of course, you're not rejecting the person, right? And what they believe in. So if that would be protected, definitely under the equality legislation, if someone comes to you, and if you reject them simply because of the fact that um, of their sexuality or, or um, their political affiliation, yes, that's wrong. And that should not happen. But if this they... is greatly said, I, I, I wanna, this is really greatly said. Would you please repeat it so people would know? If somebody comes to you with something that is not in accordance with your religious belief, do not hurt them, do not harm them, do not attack them, do not attack their person or their belief. Simply, you can state, for instance, uh, you know, my apology, but this is something I cannot accommodate in my personal religious belief. Is that the safe answer to give? That's the one thing, but I also, I think it's important to make the distinction between if someone comes up to me, right? And, and, um, I cannot reject them for who they are. The only thing I should be allowed to is to reject, um, producing or, or serving a cause I don't agree with. So if, if, if let's stick to the very simple bakery example. If a person comes to me and um, is any of those protected characteristics, like say he's a Muslim or he's a Jew or he's a conservative or he's black or she's gay um, and they just want to buy bread, I cannot reject them. That is protected under the equality legislation. But if they come to me and ask me, to bake a cake for um, a gay wedding, for example, then that's trickier. But that's not because the person is gay, but because what they are supporting, I cannot support, right? So we're back to the whole thing, love the sinner and don't love the sinner. Sin. Yeah, don't, you right. don't have to, exactly. Uh, and with this, there is a still a murky ground. I want to give you another example. I mean, I do not want to put us either one on the spot, but it happens. For instance, in a case of politicians who support abortion and who say it's, it's, it's part of their policy to support abortion, for instance. We know that till today in religion, abortion is a crime. Uh, it's a murder of a baby. You cannot save, you cannot kill a life at the expense of another life by choice, just simply because you say, I want to choose to do to do so. 
So if those people, those politicians come to church and a pastor or a priest given wafer or given the Holy Communion or given uh, a grape juice as a symbol of the blood of Christ or given the actual blood of Christ um, in, 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 um, in a true presence in, in a Catholic form or Orthodox form, can a priest, is it safe for a priest to tell that particular politician, I cannot give you communion because many priests got in trouble, many pastors got in trouble? Simply said, I would say that's not a legal matter whatsoever because there is no law that you are obliged to give up communion to someone. It's really just a theological and church internal matter. So when bishops decide to fire their priests because they refuse to give communion to somebody who's um, um, on stand of with abortion, uh, this is basically an authority and an, an abuse of office or it's the way they see that they have to practice their authority over their own priests, basically. So it's an internal matter, but priests are not protected by the law in case the bishop does not support them if they decide not to give communion versus to give communion. Many bishops as well, they tell their priests, do not give communion to somebody um, who tells you, I'm here and I'm abortionist and I want to have communion. And both cases, they get in trouble. Um, a, last, a last example, if I were... Uh, to ask you, um, you have investigated over 4,500 cases of discrimination and intolerance against Christians in Europe yourself. We will, I keep promising people when I speak about the Middle East and about Lebanon. Yeah. But uh, can you give us how many of these crimes were hate crimes? And then give us examples. Mm, how yes, many of these 4,500 cases? 4,500 cases in Europe. This is in less than a year, I guess. Um, no, this is so. This has been recorded over the past um, ten years, okay. but um, so it really drastically changed over the last um, three years, I would say. And so we do have, we do count the proportionality between the kinds of cases. So we, the hate crimes usually constituted between um, eighty and seventy percent of all the cases that we reported on. But that wow. changes now. So we start to have a lot more cases where um, there is um, discrimination due to social pressure or also coming from laws that are being passed. So that is changing. Still, we have a high number of hate crimes. So, for example, from the year 2019 to 2020, the number of hate crimes increased by 70%. And we had almost exactly a thousand hate crimes in 2020 against Christians in Europe. But that's only what the number of hate crimes that are reported by civil society organizations. So another number is like an official statistic from, from the government and the police in France said that in 2019, there have been over 900 hate crimes in one year, which oh. averages three hate crimes against churches or Christian um, buildings on average, every day. Wow. Madeline, um, our time came to an end at this point for this episode. Um, I, I want to I allow myself to ask you a very final question, and I hope the answer is short and sweet, as you always um, <laughs> been, as a matter of fact, under the circumstances. Hate crimes need to be monitored. Why? Very simple, because they're very good social barometer. Um, that's the reason why the OSCE keeps track of them, is because... 
they give us a, a sense of what is happening within society at the moment and where there is um, potentially concerning dynamics um, evolving at the moment that are threatening against a specific group. And so a graffiti on a church is not just a graffiti. Um, if nothing is done about it, it somehow normalizes and legitimizes violence against a specific group. So people might think, well, you know, you can just do that and use um, violence against the church. So the next person might think, okay, let's just, you know, take it a step further and threat someone physically. So that's why it is super important. It's also a reason why hate crime um, monitoring is used in um, gen uh, genocide research. I know that's a very drastic um, example, um, but yeah, it's a very good um, measurement for um, a social climate in a given country. <laughs> Thank you so very much, my dear Madeline. I look forward to our next episode. People are enjoying these episodes. You have taught us a lot. We want to pray for uh, love, for forgiveness, for pardon. Uh, Jesus uh, summoned in himself all the problems, the divisions, the hates, the persecutions, uh, um, everything that is harming our bodies, our souls, our properties, uh, our life, our livelihood, our future. Everything he summoned it by saying, forgive them, Father for they do not know what they're doing. And with this, I want to ask that the pure and most precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in this month in which we celebrate the feast of the exaltation of the most powerful and holy victorious cross, with the cross on which the Lord showed us the perfect love, the love of the one who submits himself, offers himself, lay his life down in order to save all lives. May he save all of our lives, forgive us all of our sins. May he crush Satan, our enemy. May he bring us to peace, joy, and peace, and to eternal life. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Father Andre and his team rely on your prayers and generosity to help feed over 5,000 families in Lebanon every month. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org to learn more. Your support helps buy supplies from local farms and factories, employ truckers to ship the food, all to let these families know they are not forgotten. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org and donate today. And join us next week at 9.30 a.m. for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.